uh, during the first years of our marriage, uh, Jennifer and I lived in Evansville. And both of our families lived here in Indianapolis. Now, this is not the time for me to explain the complexity of our families back then. But I will say this, that things in Indianapolis were complicated. And our living four hours away was a healthy distance for us because it kept us out of the day-to-day in our wider families. But from about mid-November until New Year's Day, our family-related tensions elevated considerably. We were expected to come home twice during the holidays, and each trip was a time of what I'll call intense expectation navigation. First, there was Thanksgiving. And I recall one year sitting down to four, count them, four full traditional Thanksgiving dinners on the same day. (laughs) And then there was the big one, Christmas. Where would we stay? Where would we spend Christmas morning? Whose church would we go to on Christmas Eve? And I'm just going to say that that the tension on all of that stuff jacked way up when we started to have children. Plus, there were completely different expectations in the various family settings. Expectations about gift giving and food preparation and all that sort of thing. I remember one year when we had to have gifts for 20 people outside of our immediate family. And we were young and just getting started in life, and we couldn't afford to be extravagant, but even when we tried to keep the spending to a minimum, holiday guilt would often push us into spending more than we should have. And Also, during our second year of marriage, our bank awarded us our first, do any of you remember the AmeriCard, the forerunner of Visa? Well, having an AmeriCard uh, made it seem easier when we were shopping in December. But I will tell you that it it introduced us to what is called the January surprise. You know, the day the bill shows up from your December spending. Christmas wasn't just a few days of stress. It was weeks of stress, and we longed for some calm in the chaos, and I'm certain that our experience wasn't and still isn't unusual. In fact, I know it isn't unusual, folks. I know it. I have done literally hundreds of weddings and the premarital counseling that goes with having done hundreds of weddings and the one premarital counseling question that most often gets tears from the soon-to-be bride is, 
Have you two talked through how you're going to navigate the holidays once you are married? And stress related to holidays, the holiday season isn't just a newly married couple issue. It's everywhere for people of all ages in all sorts of times. Now you're probably wondering why I'm talking about all of this here at the beginning of November. And as Amy said, as wonderful as the all too soon coming holiday season can be, we know that for many it can also be one of the most stressful and painful times of the year. The holiday season, which is meant to be a time of joy and celebration, can overwhelm us. It can sadden us and even at times cause great isolation for us. And so because of this, we wanted to spend November preparing our hearts and searching the scripture for guidance on how to go through the holiday season, not uh, floundering through it, but flourishing through it flourishing through it with the presence of Jesus and the hope and the rest that only he can provide. We believe that by talking about these things now, we can better prepare us for the upcoming season. Our thought is that if we talk about these things now, maybe, maybe the season ahead won't catch us off guard and overwhelm us. So this month, we are hoping to turn to the scripture to help us all create, as our series is called, calm in the chaos. Before I jump into today's topic and passage, I want to give us an overview of what's coming. Amy gave you a brief look at it, but next week we will be talking about the unrealistic cultural expectations that come with the American celebration of the holiday. And I say American celebration from experience, uh, Jennifer and I lived in England for two, year, two Christmases, and I just have to say, now it's been a while since we lived there, but it was really different what people did then and the, what, how more, it's so much more jacked up here. It's just a different thing. And so we're going to talk about the American expectations. They can, they can leave us uh, stretched thin and exhausted and anxious. In the third week, uh, we'll be talking about the grief that often accompanies the holiday season. Grief from the loss of those we've loved, pain from the holidays past and the isolation that can come when you are grieving and everybody else around you is celebrating. We're gonna talk about that. And finally, in in week four, we'll be talking about broken families. We'll be addressing both the anticipation and in some cases the dread of family gatherings. This week, we are focusing on financial stress that can come with the holidays. I know that one of the most common stressors during the holidays is money. I've already talked a bit about my own experience with it and the truth is that the holidays often include travel and gifts and parties and meals and it's so easy to let our end of the year holiday expenses lead us into debt and we all know that with debt comes significant stress, financial and otherwise. Uh, Financial stress is known to contribute significantly to people's anxiety and depression and relational strife. And so because of all of this, we felt it was important to take some time to remember Jesus' teachings about money, about God's provision, 
and where we should be putting our trust, not only in the holiday season, but all through the year, we firmly believe that Jesus' words can help us think differently about our priorities, financial priorities included, and listening to Jesus' words can lead to experiencing calm in the chaos. Again, not only during the holiday season, but throughout all of our lives. And the one passage that comes right out of Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, that gets right to Jesus' thinking about money and God's provision is found in Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 to 34. We all need to turn to that. It's on page 804 if you're using the House Bible. But we all need to turn to that. And I want to say hey to everybody that's with us online. We know you're there. And we are really glad you're joining us today. So I am going to just read this passage and then come back and comment on some things in it first. So if everybody has Matthew 6, starting in verse 24, we read Jesus saying these words. No one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in the barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them, and aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly take care of you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? And what will we drink? And what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Now, you may be wondering what this passage has to do with the stress of Chris, the Christmas season. I get that. Honestly, this passage says absolutely nothing about the specific stresses of the holiday season. But Jesus is talking about two things that directly relate to how we approach the holiday season. First, where do we place our trust for what we truly need in life? And secondly, where do we expend our energies as we live our life. Now, I feel that Jesus has given us enough just in these verses for an entire month series just on this passage. 
But for today's purposes, I just want to talk about three things that jumped out at me as I was preparing for this message. The three things that really made an impression on me. And the first one is what Jesus has to say in verse 24, if you look at it. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now, Jesus is using slavery imagery here. And I just want to say that in Jesus' day, slavery was a very different system than our horrific, that's the right word, horrific American experience with slavery. In fact, one-third of all people in the Roman world were slaves. And they were people who had masters. And I've put some more information about this in the app but, but the most important thing about this is that the people that first heard Jesus say these words would have understood immediately why trying to equally serve two masters would have been an impossibility. They would have gotten it. And the, and the way the NLT translates it, this phrase is, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That's right on the point. That's right on point. But one interesting thing, though... The Greek word translated money here is the word mamone, mamone. And it has moved right into the English as the word mammon. And mammon is generally meant to be money that is gained through greed or the worship and devotion to money as the primary thing in your life. It's, it's become a very dark concept. In fact, in medieval period, mammon was personified and they saw it as a creature who made people greedy and who made people worship money. But the primary meaning of this word in the Greek in the first century was quite different. When Jesus used it, it meant something like this. It is something that a person trusts will give them all they need in life. Something a person trusts is going to give them all they need in life. And it's easy to see why this word became a dark way to speak about money as an object of worship because so many people have put their trust in money to give them all they need in life. And so many people do worship money. And we all know that Jesus was right on the money when he said it is impossible to put your trust for your future in the hands of God and at the same time put your trust in your future in the accumulation of money. I love the way that the great Greek scholar Kenneth Wiest translated this first. He said, you are not able to render a servant's obedience to God and be a servant to a passion for accumulating wealth. Jesus is calling us to a place where we put our trust in the one who created us and loves us and wants what is best for us. This is where we need to start as we think about our priorities in life and particularly our financial priorities. Who, or rather, what 
are we really trusting to give us all we need in life? The answer to this question is really important. Honestly, I think where we put our trust to give us all we need in life will change everything about the way we walk through the world. The second thing that really jumped out at me in this passage is a number of times that Jesus says, don't worry. He uses the same Greek phrase, which is me marimnao, and I just have to say this to you before we go on any further. When you go to seminary and you learn Greek, they don't teach you how to say it, they only teach you how to read it. And in the first hour, there was a Greek scholar in the room. And when I got there, I couldn't even say the word, me, marinao. And I talked to him afterwards, and he said, don't worry, Tim, nobody knows how to speak ancient Greek. Nobody who speaks it is still living. (laughs) So I just want you to know, if I stumble over the Greek, it's not because I don't know what I'm talking about. I just don't know how to say what I'm talking about, okay? I just want to get that out there, all right? So anyway, the phrase here is me, marinao. It's used four times by Jesus from verse 25 to 34, and this kind of repetition is really unusual, and it's very important. Me marinao means something like this. Don't be anxious, or don't you worry, or maybe even the best way, and we have a phrase like this, like, don't you even worry about it. Don't even worry about it. And four times in this passage, Jesus says, don't you worry, don't even think about your everyday life. Don't you worry, don't even think about your clothing. Don't you worry, don't you even think about what you eat or drink. Don't you worry, don't even think about tomorrow. Now I know it's easy for us to say to Jesus, well, that's easy for you to say, Jesus. You didn't have a nine-to-five job and a mortgage and three kids. But Jesus' point isn't that we shouldn't take care of what we need to take care of. Of course we're supposed to take care of what we're supposed to take care of. He isn't suggesting that we be lazy or that we simply expect abundance. No, What this is about, again, is putting our ultimate trust in God's care. This is about making certain that our priorities in life, and particularly in this moment, our financial priorities reflect our trust in Him. The truth is that He cares so much for you that there are a whole bunch of things that you just shouldn't even have to think about. third thing that jumps out at me in this passage is found in verse 33. It says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Now, the way this verse ends in the Greek is with the word prostithemi, prostithemi. And the NLT has translated it, everything you need. He will give you everything you need. That's okay, but the idea in the Greek is far more nuanced, and I think it's way more profound. Um, I'm sure that some of you have heard this verse translated differently. And actually, we sing a song, keep seeking first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Added unto you. Um, and, 
that's just the way, that, that's the way it's translated in the uh, King James, added unto you. But here's, here's essentially what the word means. Pro, prostithemi means this. To add something more onto something that someone has already given to you. You follow that? You give, it's when you receive something more of something you've already been given. I tried to think of a good example of this, and I couldn't. I came up with this really terrible example that I decided not to use. It's where you, somebody gives you ice cream, you have a bowl of ice cream, and just as you're about to be done, a person comes along and puts a big scoop in the bowl. They've added on to something that you already have. And, th- and then you eat that ice cream. And just as you're about to finish that scoop, th- that new ice cream, they put more in your bowl. And you have more. And I thought, that's a terrible example, so I'm not going to use it. And so we'll just go on and tell you what Jesus' point was. His point was that God has already been giving you what you need to eat and to drink and to wear and such. So put your emphasis on seeking God's kingdom and living a truly righteous life. And you can count on God to continue to add on to what he's already been regularly giving to you, prostithemi. Prostithemi. And again, this is all about who are we going to trust to give us all we need for life. Now, I know when I say that, who are we going to trust to give us all we need in life? It sounds like a rhetorical question, but I don't mean it to be. I honestly want us to think about it. Who or what are we going to trust to bring about calm in the chaos? Both in everyday moments, but especially when it comes to the times of chaos like we have during Christmas. I know that it took Jennifer and me a really long time to work through all of the things in our life to where we could first think differently about our financial priorities broadly and then to move those kinds of priorities into the Christmas season. I'm not saying that we've completely overcome all the stresses of the season, but just regularly recognizing what our needs really are and who it is who is ultimately meeting those needs has, and who it is that has promised that they'll continue to meet our needs has brought a calm to us that we didn't ever expect. We now have someone to turn to together when we start to feel overwhelmed, and we can now live in the reality that we're, we are being watched over by a trustworthy Heavenly Father And in the stress, we have found a peace that truly exceeds anything that we can understand. That's just our experience. Bottom line, you don't have to give in to being overwhelmed by the Christmas frenzy. Holidays don't have to be stressful and filled with drama, especially financial drama. But finding calm in the chaos starts with honestly committing in our heart of hearts to only love and serve one master and that master must be Jesus. It must be Jesus. I honestly believe that Christmas 2021 can be the perfect time for a holiday season reset. And so I'm going to actually turn this thing off off to the side here and get really practical. 
Here are some practical suggestions for resetting things, particularly financial things. First, create a budget for the holidays. Down to earth, I know, but create a budget for the holidays, a realistic budget that allows the holidays to be special, but don't push you into unnecessary spending and debt. Budgeting specifically for the season can help reduce stress because it gives you a plan and it creates boundaries for your spending. Remember, there are only two things in life that we can actually control. One is our thoughts and the other is our own actions. And one of the actions that we can control is our spending. And if you stick to your Christmas budget, you'll avoid impulse purchases and you'll just feel freer financially. Take my word for it. I promise you that's true. I know this can sound very Scrooge-like to tell you to make a budget for Christmas. But sensible budgeting and sticking to it can actually open the door to freedom from stress and it also may leave you with enough left over once you're done thinking of your family to bless others who are truly needy. So make a budget. Make it soon. As in, right away. And stick to it. I promise you, you'll be glad you did. Secondly, talk to your family, and only you can decide how wide that net needs to be cast, but talk to your family about working together first to set realistic expectations for the season, and secondly, about working together as a family to help other people who can really use your help. Um, Can I just remind us all that finding ways to help others is literally seeking God's kingdom. Finding ways to help others is truly part of the righteousness of God. And there are so many opportunities for us to be generous as families with others who are really in need. I mean, just come on, even here at Grace, we've got so many ways to do that. What I have found over time is that the other members of my family are always glad when I bring up the fact that we want to organize our expectations so they're not off the charts. Most of my family are already struggling with the stress and the overwhelming expectation for the holidays, and they're thankful that somebody has the gumption to say something about it, about lowering the holiday heat and together doing something that helps somebody else. I'm just saying, they just seem to be thankful for that. And, and something else. It may be too late to do that this year. I mean, some people are way down the road already. But do it next year. And here's the point that makes it all work. Do it in July. Okay? Do it in July when everybody is more rational about what really needs to happen come Christmas. And then get everybody on the same page and stick to that too. Okay? Thirdly, here's the last thing I'll say. Thirdly, spend some time over the next weeks thinking about how God has continually been adding unto you. Now, I know that there are those here who have been through tough times or are going through tough times right now. Tough times related to the very things that Jesus said God will provide. I don't want to minimize that at all, and I also want you to know that if that's your situation, we're here to help. 
But for many of us, God has been adding unto us unendingly. And at least for me, I want this Christmas season to be where I am thankful, very thankful for all the care God has so wonderfully shown towards Jennifer and me over this last year. For me, the best way to do this is by making a list of things where God has been adding unto me. And it might be a good idea for you to join me. My bet is that if we start making lists now about of God's goodness to us in the past year, now here on the 7th of November, that by the time November the 25th rolls around, Thanksgiving Day, that list will make for a very long thank you, dear Lord, prayer when we sit down to that meal together. A list like that will go a long way to keep us from, to quote Jesus, from worrying about the things that tend to dominate our thoughts. Now, I can't promise you an absolutely stress-free Christmas. There will still be holiday traffic. There will still be passive-aggressive family members. There will still be the uncle who can't leave his politics at home. This one's really personal. Aunt Joan will still be Aunt Joan, okay? But if you can enter into the holidays with a confidence that your priorities broadly and your financial priorities are focused on the things of God's kingdom and your heart's desire is to live into the righteousness of Jesus, then I guarantee there will be a space of peace in your heart that will help you overcome whatever it is that others may do. You will be able to find a calm in the midst of the chaos. You will be able to rest knowing that the troubles of each day as they come, that God will take care of you. And all of the things that you need, all of the things that you truly need will be added unto you. Jesus wouldn't have said any of this if he didn't mean it, okay? Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for this passage gives us a lot to think about, but it also, Lord, it convicts me about where I'm placing my trust. Father, can we be people, can we be a community that trusts in you for all that we really need, that we live into your righteousness, Lord, and that we seek your kingdom. Father, will you help us to be a community that shows the world how much we have in your Son, and all that he has done to bring peace to each one of us, both in this world and in the world to come, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for watching, but don't stop there. We want you to find community at Grace Church, and the first step in doing that is going to gracechurch.us hub. There you'll find other sermons, details about upcoming events, and other important announcements. And make sure you subscribe to our channel so you don't miss out when we post something new. Thanks again for watching. We'll see you next time.